Welcome to the Cross Church. We're excited to bring you these weekly messages. Find out more about us or contribute online at thecross.com. Thanks for listening. Hey, faith family and friends, Pastor Chris. Want to wrap up a message series we've been in over about three weeks now called No Offense. And as we wrap it up today, just kind of just by way of quick review, you may recall we talked about in the very first week about the root of bitterness, about how whenever we get offended, we can either get bitter or better, and how in Ephesians chapter 4, it specifically talks about how that root of bitterness can um, come into our lives, create problems, it can infect other people, in fact, other people take up an offense for us. And so this message series has been entitled No Offense, so that some of us would, would start figuring out in our lives where those roots of bitterness are and pluck them out. And uh, then the next week, we got into just kind of how sensitive people can be and just how, you know, some people stay offended so they'll never have to be convicted. And I think it's so imperative that you and I understand that, man, we have got to be people who are unoffendable, especially in a world where it's so easy uh, to be offended. And then last week, we, we really got into lots of different things. We talked about um, how to deal with an offense individually with somebody. So if it's on you, if it's on them, I really encourage you, if you were to only listen to one message in this entire series, go back and listen to that one. Because what we concluded last week is that we all have to arrive at forgiveness. And uh, there is a difference, though, between a, an, an offense that is a trespass and a transgression. And so I really would encourage you to go back and take a look at that. But today, I want us to take a, a look at God's Word in John chapter 17. And I want to talk about why we would want to be people who know how uh, to deal with offense in our life. And I want us to be people who understand that God is doing a bigger work uh, through his people. And in John chapter 17, uh, we see what's called Jesus's high priestly prayer. In fact, right after chapter 17 and chapter 18, Jesus is going to be arrested. He's going to go to the cross. And so these are important words. And, you know, in our, in our world today, people fight for all kinds of things. They fight for their own self-preservation. Uh, they fight, you know, there's, there's a couple of terms in culture that have become synonymous with people that are always offended or always complaining. You've heard the word Karen. Your name's Karen, no offense, Stephen, but it's true. The word Karen is, well, these Karens are always complaining. Or the, the male equivalent, I learned, is a Terry, that there's Terrys out there. They always are complaining. They're the people that are always putting out the bad Google reviews of the people that are always trying to find what's wrong with people, culture, uh, maybe even in their own family. And, you know, even in, our, even in our own music down through the years, you always see these themes of fighting, right? Like it was John, Elton John, who was just here in Dallas not long ago doing his farewell tour. So he had a song, and one of the lyrics was, Saturday nights are all right for fighting. Uh, it was John Cougar Mellencamp who said that he fights authority. Uh, it was a Survivor from the great uh, history, historical movies of Rocky uh, who once told us this. It's the eye of the tiger. It's the thrill of the fight. It was the Beastie Boys uh, who once told us, you got to fight for your right to party. Uh, it was Public Enemy who said this, you got to fight the power. Here's the thing about it. In our world, more than likely, you and I are going to fight for something. 
And the question I have is this, will we fight for those things that Jesus himself fights for? Begin reading with me, if you will, here in verse 20, when Jesus is praying to his Father, and he says this, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So Jesus had been praying for his 12 disciples, and now he turns his attention in this text to pray for people like us who are going to be the beneficiaries of the gospel through those disciples. And he says this, I do not ask only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their word. And listen to what he prays, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them as you love me. Verse 24, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be where uh, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O oh, righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. You see, in this world where there's all kinds of offense and there's all kinds of struggles and battles, I can tell you right now what Jesus wants for you and me as his people. He wants us to fight for unity. In fact, in a world that is so divided, and I've said this over the last few months, a divided world needs a united church. And he, I can tell you right now, based on this prayer, Jesus would want his people to fight for unity. In fact, say that with me. Fight for unity. You see, fight for unity. Say it with me one more time. Fight for unity. This message really breaks down to kind of two sections. First point, really, really short. Second point, a little bit more, a lot more to it. Um, here's what I want you to notice with me. You see, if we fight for unity, say it with me. Because Christ expects his people to live in unity. Now think about this. Jesus is praying this high priestly prayer to his father. And, he, and the overwhelming theme throughout there is this word one. He says in verse 21 that they all may be one. And when you go on down there in verse 22, he says that they may be one, even as we are one. And uh, as he continues down, you see this theme. And, and that, that word is used multiple times in that text, that we are to be one. And so let me just ask this question. You know, maybe you know a lot about the Bible, maybe you don't. But when Jesus, like, prays a prayer, don't you, don't, true or false, don't you think that prayer is going to be answered? Like, when Jesus himself prays a prayer, don't you figure that if anybody is going to have that prayer answered, it's going to be Jesus? And the answer to that would be 100% yes every time. And so here's, here's the question you have to ask yourself. If you and I are going to be a part of the church, if we're going to be a part of his people, if we're going to be a part of the oneness that he is calling this group of people who beyond the disciples, who learn from the disciples' words, if he's, if he's talking to people like you and me, then here's a question I have for us. 
If we are chronically um, at odds with the church, then here's the issue. Are we really a part of it? Because understand, his people are going to, I mean, he asked this. He expects his church, he expects his people to live in unity. One of the greatest cop-outs in our day is people who will say something like this. Well, I love Jesus, or I believe in Jesus, or I have a relationship with Jesus, but I, 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 I don't like organized religion. I don't like the church. And my response to that would be, when you read this text right here, and Jesus says he expects his people to live in unity, that they should be one, and you can't live in community with those people, don't they just say something? There's a problem. And so if you're listening to this, and I, hear me, I love you, I'm not mad at you, I don't know what it is, because I still, every now and then, every now and then, not like I used to, people say, well, you know, we've just never really gotten back in the church since COVID. I would say, what's wrong with you? Like at this point, you know, unless there really is some outlying issue, some underlying health problem, something that you're dealing with, obviously we'll be sensitive to that. But here's the thing. Jesus expects his church to be one, and therefore you have to be associated with a church. There has to be some regular interaction. It's like somebody who'd say, well, you know, I'm going to be married, uh, but I don't really want to live at home. I mean, you can be married and not live at home, but let me tell you something. It's going to create problems in your relationship. You stay awake long enough. And in the same way, Jesus expects his people. Like, it's, it, it, it is synonymous with being a Christian that you will be in proper fellowship, you'll be in unity with other believers. So let me just say this. If you're constantly picking on other people, constantly picking out what's wrong with them, hey, by the way, no Christians arrived yet. This side of eternity, we've not arrived yet. It's imperative that we understand this because, you see, we must fight for unity. So we have to fight for unity because Christ expects his people to live in unity. So notice through this text how unity is achieved. I think we're going to see four things here very quick, quickly. First one is this. It's this. Unity is through community. Unity through community. Notice what it says in verse 20, 21. It says, I may not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. You know, one of the greatest, uh, and one of Jesus' greatest messages in Matthew chapter 5, he, he speaks to believers, and he says about what believers are going to be in the future, and he says that we're the, we're the salt of the earth, we're to be the light of the world. And here's what I love about, about Jesus, is that Jesus um, has great creativity. In fact, when you look at, uh, the, 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 what happens here in the Trinity. You, you see some beautiful things because, write this down, community is unity through diversity. See, community is unity through diversity. When you look at Jesus right here in that text, he refers to uh, he and his Father. And so there's no question about that. God the Father is the creator, right? The Son uh, is the one who is, is the sacrificial lamb. He's, he's the redeemer, but then the Holy Spirit comes along, and, the, and it says of the Holy Spirit that it's the paraclete, it's the helper. So understand, all three of these, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, completely unified, 
in the mission that they're about, completely unified. They never, they never speak out of turn with one another. They only complement one another. And, and yet, here's the thing about it. There's great diversity, even in the Godhead, because the Father has, uh, has a little different role than the Son, has a little different role than the Spirit, and yet they're in unity. And so here's what I love about this. There's community is unity through diversity. I love the fact that God does not make us one size fits all. He knew that we were going to need salt. We are going to need light. You know, I, I didn't realize this. When I was growing up, I just thought there's one kind of salt. There's like Morton salt. That's, that's the only kind of salt I ever had, that white salt. As I've gotten older, though, I have learned, my palate has refined, and I realized, I didn't know this. They make this, and it's expensive, okay? But somebody gave me this a few years ago. It's truffle-infused salt. Oh, my goodness, it will change your world. It, you, it's, it's salt that has truffle flakes mixed in there, and it is so rich, and it is so flavorful. It is amazing. You know, there is pink Himalayan salt. I didn't even know that was a thing. Didn't even know it was a thing. But you can go to the store. There's pink Himalayan salt. Here's what I think is so beautiful. In the body of Christ, we need all different kinds of diversity. We need young people. We need older people. We need middle-aged people. We need people of all different backgrounds, all different races. And so here's what's so great. When he calls us into this, this, this community, he's not saying I want uniformity. He actually says I, I have created you different uh, through diversity. And so we should celebrate our differences. But notice this, community is preserved, not created. It's preserved. How is it preserved? Um, it's preserved because whenever a person trusts Christ as their Savior, uh, they receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in Ephesians 1. It's, it is the, um, it, it, it's the earnest money, as it calls it. It says it's a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Every person whoever trusts Christ as their Savior, the way that you know that they are saved isn't their head knowledge. It's not that they go to church, certainly, in location and geography. No, it's that they have the Holy Spirit living in them. And so check this out. Community is preserved. It's not created. We don't have to make it up. In fact, Ephesians 4.3 says, Be diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. The unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. This is why we have to fight. We have to fight for peace. We have to make peace. Even with people who we disagree with at times. Um, it, it's a beautiful thing. It's, it's amazing that you and I can connect with people who are so radically different from us all over the world. It's one of the things I love about travel. I love traveling different parts of the country. love even going through different parts of the world and running into people who are Christians. Because when they can possess the Holy Spirit of God in them, they have the intangible other. And it's like, I can, I can be a you know, guy lived in Texas most of my life, go to some other part of the world, immediately meet a, a brother and sister in Christ. And let me just say something. We have a bond. And we don't have to um, create that. We just have to preserve that. And don't you understand, if you find yourself always in a contentious way with other Christians, I mean, if you are, are honestly at war with other believers, you have to ask yourself this question, does the Spirit of God truly rest in me? Because if the Spirit of Jesus is in us, we, we just have to preserve the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. But then notice this, community is prescribed, it's not contrived. See, we don't have to make up what glues us together. 
Yeah, we, we, we don't have to make it up. You know, we're a part of a family. And that's the thing about family. And family, you don't always get to choose the family you're in, right? You were just born into that family. And, and, and as a result of being in that family, I mean, there are just some family characteristics. And let's just say this, in our families, I mean, there's some people in our families that they just need more attention. And there's some families and our people in our families that they're maybe a little higher maintenance. And there's some people in our families that just, and that is exactly the way it is in the body of Christ. You know, the, the word community, I love this. Um, this is a definition. Make sure you, you, you take this down as a note. Community is a group of people living together who share a common way of life, which is expressed in shared beliefs, goals, values, purpose, responsibility, and communication. You know, our faith family, we, we have a purpose statement that encapsulates all of us, right? It doesn't matter if we're a child we're a senior adult, we're somewhere in between, that we say this, we're spreading God's fame by making disciples of all people. In other words, we have a, 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 some beliefs, goals, values, purpose, responsibilities, and we even use certain words, right? We articulate the same vocabulary because there's, there's power even just in using some of the same words together. That way we understand the same, because words have meaning. And I say all this to you because... If you find yourself finding reasons, finding ways to avoid the community of faith, then, friend, you have to honestly ask yourself this question. Am I really a member of God's faith family? And I'm not saying that to make you doubt your salvation, but I will simply say this. People who know Christ, people the Holy Spirit lives in them, they find their unity through the community of the body of Christ. See, we have to fight for unity. We have to fight for unity. I want you to notice this. Not only does unity happen through community, but notice this, unity through displaying his glory. What, what do you mean by that? Verse 22 says this, The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. Now, this is a pretty heady and heavy concept, but you got to recognize something here. So God's glory, when we talk about God's glory, what are we talking about? We are talking about God's practical presence among a people. We are talking about the weight of his holiness. In other words, God is holy. He is set apart. And whenever God, holy God shows up and manifests his presence among people, there is the weight of that holiness. That It is the tangible expression. It is his glory. In fact, you've got to recall, if you go back to the Old Testament, think about this, that before the temple, there was a thing called the tabernacle. And the people of God there, they traveled, the Israelites, they would follow uh, a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And it was the manifest presence of God. It was the glory of God among his people. And then when they would set up that tabernacle, that, that, that holy uh, presence of God, that glory, would rest there in a place called the Holy of Holies. And it would rest there on the Ark of the Covenant. 
you got to remember the Ark of the Covenant was this gold box and it contained in there some uh, some manna that, that God had used for to feed his people in the desert. It included the rod of Aaron. It included the Ten Commandments. But the holy presence of God, the glory of God, rested right there in a singular place on the earth, right there on that ark, in that tabernacle. When David proclaimed, broke, uh, uh, cured the land for the temple and Solomon built the temple, the presence of God landed in that temple. you got to remember it was in the time of Ezekiel that the, the presence of God left the earth. It was Ichabod. The, the glory of God was gone. The Shekinah glory, the, the manifest presence was gone. For about 400 years, the earth was without the presence of God until one Christmas, and you can know the story, Jesus shows up and the glory of God through the person of Jesus came back to the planet. So now you got to ask yourself this question. Where is the glory of God today? Because Jesus left the planet, so where is the glory of God today? The glory of God rests in his people through the Holy Spirit. And so, if when you want to know where the glory of God is, look at where a Christian is, look at where a Christ follower is, and you will you will be able to see the glory. If, if when the Holy Spirit's active in our life, man, we ought to we, we we're like the Ark of the Covenant. Like the, the presence of God rests upon us individually. But notice what it says right here. Collectively, when we come together in unity, that's why he says that the glory given me, I've given to them that they may be one, as we are one. And in them and in, in you and me, that they may be perfectly one. Perfectly one. You ought to say it with me. Perfectly one. Why? So that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. And so what happens is this. When we come together as, as a body of believers and we are the church, let me tell you what happens. We are like the bearers. We carry the glory of God corporately with us. That's why in Ephesians 2, 21 and 22, it says this, in him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together. Listen to this. To become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. And you say, man, you kind of getting fired up about this. Yes. Because if I were the devil, what would I do? I would fracture Christians. If I were the devil, what would I do? I would make Christians so thin-skinned they're always mad at one another, mad at the world, mad at somebody. Because let me tell you what it does. It crushes the glory of God in the midst of, of, of the day and time in which we live. And what the world needs is not from us opinions, doesn't need from us sin. It needs demonstration that what God says is true. He says this, that when we carry in unity together and we're walking in, 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 in lockstep, that the glory of God is in full display in the world. But listen, when we're fractured, the world doesn't see the glory of God. And this is why unity is so incredibly imperative, especially in the day and the time in which you and I live. See, we got to fight for unity. And, and how do we 
attain this unity. It's unity because of eternity. I love this. Unity because of eternity. Um, you know you're going to live forever somewhere. Like you're immortal. It's going to happen. It's going to happen to me. Um, there's some who would like to think that, you know, whenever we die, we just go into the grave and we just, and that's it. No, 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 no. You and I were built for forever. And it says in verse 24, Jesus is praying. And he says, and Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. Jesus is talking about heaven. Jesus is talking about, I, I, Father, I, I want them to be with me in this place called heaven. And I'll simply say this, heaven ought to motivate us, and it ought to motivate us like right now. In fact, the Bible says this in Matthew 6, Jesus said these things. It says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on the earth where the moth and the rust destroy, but where the thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where the thieves not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Can I ask you this question? What does your heart drift to? What does your, 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 your mind drift to? See, as you and I um, make more deposits into eternity, and we know we're making more deposits into eternity, let me tell you what happened. What ought to be happening is this, is that our hearts ought to be becoming more and more uh, informed about eternity. Like, we, we should live this day in light of that day. And I give you an example. You know, it happens in a couple of ways. One, I think it happens very tangibly uh, with um, our possessions. You know, I know for me, uh, I love the fact that I, I try to, our family, we try to invest intentionally into things that are going to last for eternity. So we, we invest in ministries. We invest in this church. The biggest thing we invest in every year. Because we just want to be invested in those things that are going to live on for eternity. Uh, it also happens, I believe, in just um, your own personal relationships. You know, this this uh, this over the next few days, I will, um, I guess, be commemorating, um, just reminded of my dad's home going, and uh, so five years ago. It's hard to believe it's been five years ago, but uh, my dad, he he, uh, I'm, I just remember those days up to his death, and uh, it was tough, and yet I um, just know he's made whole, and I can't wait to see him again. And so I just got to tell you, if, treasure, if, if you put your treasure where your heart's in, then my dad is there. There's some other people there. Man, there's some investments I'm making along the way. Man, there's some people, hopefully, I've gotten to lead to the Lord that are already ahead of me. But let me just say this. Like, it's real to me. Like, there's unity in knowing that we were made for another country. We were made for another place. Like, it, 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 that, that this truly is not our home. And, and it impacts us now. And... And it, it has ramifications for us later. And I'll just say this. If that's the case, then what it means is as a church that we don't come to church and we aren't a part of the church because we're not, the church is not a place. It's a people. We just happen to convene in a place. We don't come in like it's a cruise ship. We don't come in thinking, well, you know, where, where am I going to enjoy this? Because let's just be honest. We live in an iPhone world. We live in a consumer-based world. Uh, we love to be pampered and taken care of. And yet when we look at the world and the state that it's in, don't you recognize something? God's called us to not be a part of a, a cruise ship but a battleship. 
And you and I have to be about reaching the world. We have to help people understand there really is an eternity. And if we believe there's an eternity, if we believe there's a heaven, we believe there's a hell, then listen to me. We will live with a different kind of intensity. And that, that unity, because of eternity, will galvanize our hearts because we recognize we're not home yet. You see, we have to fight for unity. You see, we have to fight for unity. And the, the last thing I'll give you by way of how unity is achieved is this. It's unity through affection. Um, it says in verse 26, I made known to them your name, and I'll continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. I mean, what Jesus is saying right here is this. He says, I've, I've made your, your love known to them, and I want that love that, that, that I have and that we have to be in them. And here's what I know. I know that the Father and the Son, they love each other. Like there's a deep affection for there, for, for one another. And in the same way, don't you understand, that among believers... There should be deep affection for one another. There should be love for one another. You know, if you are loved by God, then how can you not help but love the people of God? How can you not but go, hey, my heart is, is full. Uh, the Bible even says do good to all men, but especially those who belong to the household of faith. Um, 1 Peter 1, 22 says, Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have a Listen to this, sincere love for your brothers. Love one another deeply from the heart. Like it, it says right there, there should just be this, this brotherly affection, this sisterly affection that we have for, for people of faith. And listen to me, friend. If we don't love the people of God, like we're constantly critical of them, we're always pointing out what's wrong with them, then i got to tell you something. There's something wrong with us. Because none of us have arrived, none of us are perfect, and there should be this koinonia, this, this fellowship, this agape love the Bible talks about, that we just, man, we forgive one another, and we care about one another, we want the best for one another. And I'm just, I'll just be candid with you. I think in the world today, one of, the, one of the ways the enemy is winning is he's winning because, I mean, quite honestly, we are not loving one another the way we should love one another. In fact, 1 John 4.20 says this, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, listen to these words, he's a liar. For who does not love his brother whom he cannot see and love God whom he cannot be seen? I mean, do you see that? Like, God says, hey, if you say you love me but you hate your brother, you are a liar. That's a big word from a God. So you know what that tells me? It tells me that amongst the, the, the people of God, you know what i got to keep short list, it tells me amongst the people of God, if we want to live rightly before God, that then you and I, honestly, we gotta, we got to be right with one another. And here's why it's so worth it. It's worth it because Jesus prayed it. It's worth it because it's the way the glory of God is displayed into the world. Man, if the world has ever needed to see the glory of God, is today. And so, friends, may we be people that live lives of no offense, and especially among one another. Why? So that the world may see a beautiful picture of who Christ is. When the world, when the church is fractured, the world is so confused. The world doesn't get to see the glory of God. But whenever the, the church is in unity, 
the world sees this beautiful picture of Jesus and his people. And you know what? That is contagious. People want to be a part of that. Lord Jesus, I pray today that as we just depart, that Lord, you would use the words of this message in this series. And I pray that we would be people who live unoffendable lives. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you soon.